How many of you can't stand it when someone doesn't keep their promises? Lots of us. Just when someone tells you they're going to do something and they don't come through. I'm going to do this. They don't keep their promise. It's frustrating, isn't it? I know for me that it's frustrating for me when I don't keep my promises. How many of you get frustrated when you when you fail to keep a promise? I get so frustrated with myself. I, I, I don't. It drives me nuts that I, I say I'm going to do something and I don't come through. I don't want to be known as someone who's undependable. I don't want to be known as someone who's a promise breaker. I want to be a promise keeper. I want to be someone who, who keeps their promises that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. When I say I'm going to uh, be somewhere, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be on time. But, you know, as a human, it happens sometimes. We, we make promises that we want to keep, that we intend to keep, but we don't come through. We'll make promises to other people. We'll make promises to ourselves. We'll make promises to God and say, I'm going to do this, and we fail. We, we fail to keep our promises. We don't always keep our promises, right? I, I think we all experience that. Chances are you're like me, and, and you don't keep all your promises. We're, we're idealists. We Really, in reality, we're idealists. We want to keep our promises. We'll make promises, and we want to keep those promises, but sometimes we just failed to come through this is not true of god god is the ultimate promise keeper that the promises that god has made in his word and to his people the promises that he has made he will keep because god is not just a promise maker god is the ultimate promise keeper he has never made a promise that he cannot and that he will not keep God keeps all of his promises. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In Jesus Christ, we see the fulfillment of every promise God has ever made. That in Jesus, God fulfills and keeps all of his promises. He... Uh, never, never fails to keep a promise. In Luke chapter 1, we're going to turn there today in our Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke 1, and we're going to talk about the promises that God has made. Uh, we're going to talk about how God keeps his promises, and some promises he made about uh, a man named John, and he was going to be born to a priest named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, the Bible tells us, were well along in years. They were past the age of childbearing. And Elizabeth couldn't have kids. She couldn't have children. She was barren, the Bible says. So she had no hope of having children. It was heartbreaking for her and heartbreaking for Zechariah. She was unable to conceive. And so it, the time came for Zechariah's uh, division of priests to go into the temple and to serve the Lord. And if you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, we see that an angel appeared to Zechariah and told Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a son. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19, the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true 
at their proper time. So Zechariah doubted the angel's message that he and his wife were going to have a baby. And so the angel strikes him mute and he is not allowed to speak until the time comes for John to be born. And sure enough, John is born and Zechariah's mouth is open and he's able to speak again. And what Zechariah does is he sings a song. He sings a song of praise to God, but he sings it's more than just a song of praise. It is a song of prophecy. It is a prophetic song that Zechariah sings to God. And we're going to read about this song today in our passage as we continue in our new series called Christmas Music. And we're looking at the original songs of Christmas that were sung by the original people uh, in Jesus's day surrounding the birth of Christ. These are the songs that the different uh, people in, uh, surrounding Jesus' birth sang. Last week, we looked at Mary's song of praise. And we talked about how Mary sang a song of praise when she went to visit her relative Elizabeth. This week, we're looking at the song of Zechariah. We'll talk about that for the rest of our time. Next week, we're going to talk about the song of joy that the angels sang, the angel's song of joy. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about uh, Simeon's song of hope. And so we're going to look at these different songs over the month of December as we talk about what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ, how he sent his son to be our savior, how he sent his son to be the Messiah. So like I said, today we're talking about Zechariah's prophetic song. This is a song about the promises of God and their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. So grab your Bible. If you haven't grabbed it yet, grab your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79, and that's where we're going to be today. Also, if you, have, uh, if you can grab your bulletin, turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline, you can follow along as we fill in some blanks. The first blank on your outline is the promises of God. The promises of God. In the Old Testament, God made promises to his people that he was going to send a Messiah. He was going to send a Messiah to save his people. Zechariah, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to prophesy about the promises of God. Now, there are two definitions of prophesy that we need to know. One is to foretell, F-O-R-E, tell, which means to say that something is going to happen in the future. The other is to foretell, which is to basically comment about what is going on today, what is happening right now. And that is how Zechariah is prophesying. He is foretelling, talking about what God was doing in their midst. So look at verses 67 through 75 with me. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him, all our days. There are three promises that God makes through Zechariah. There's three promises God has made. The first promise, and the next blank on your outline, is God promised salvation. God promised salvation. Zechariah says that God has raised up a horn of salvation. Now, how many of you have ever heard the phrase horn of salvation before? If you've been around church, if you've read the Bible, you've probably seen that phrase horn of salvation. And how many of you have ever wondered, what in the world does that mean? This horn of salvation. Well, let me tell you what it means. Uh, 
the symbol of power on an animal is its horns. Okay? So uh, an, an animal, like an, an ox, for example, or a bull, uh, has horns, and they are the symbol of its power. When Zechariah says that God has raised up a horn of salvation, he is talking about a powerful salvation that he was going to bring about through the Messiah. So we're talking about a, a powerful salvation, a salvation that is powerful enough to gain victory over the opponent of our souls. The Messiah was going to come in power, and the Messiah was going to come in great victory. God raised up a horn of salvation in Jesus Christ. And this is talked about in Psalm 132, 17. Here I will make a horn grow for David, he's talking about Jerusalem, and set up a lamp for my anointed one. So the anointed one, the Messiah, was going to have a powerful horn of salvation enough to overcome the evil one. The Messiah was going to come also from David's line, uh, as it says in verse uh, 69 of Luke 1. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. So God had promised that he was going to send a Savior, send a Messiah through the line of David. And this is a promise he made not just to David, it's a promise he made to Abraham many, many years before David ruled over Israel. In Genesis 22, 17 and 18, God said, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That God was going to bless all the nations on earth through the line of Abraham. And David was of the line of Abraham. And through David, the house of David, through uh, David's line came the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior. The next blank on your outline, the second promise of God is that God promised mercy. Now God's mercy is closely tied to the promises he made to Abraham. This is a covenant promise of love. And nothing can break a covenant promise promise nothing can break a covenant unless god institutes a new covenant which we see in communion uh, when god, jesus said he was going to institute a new covenant in his blood that the new covenant out uh, outdid the old covenant but in the covenant of abraham god said he was going to send a messiah to save all the people on earth and this was going to happen by god's great mercy i said last week that mercy is not getting what you deserve it's not getting what you really deserve. For example, if you were to be driving along in your vehicle on your way to work uh, and you're not stuck behind me going the speed limit, but you are instead speeding along and a police officer, a kindly police officer doing his duty pulls you over and uh, asks you the question, do you know how, do you know why I pulled you over? And you say, well, yeah, I was, uh, I was speeding. And instead of giving you a ticket, which you deserve, he lets you off with a warning. You don't get the ticket, which you deserve. In other words, the uh, officer has mercy on you. I don't know how often this happens. I don't get pulled over. <laughs> Albert gets stuck behind me on my way taking Jonathan to school. <laughs> it's my duty. I, I'm just being safe and, and cautious. I'm a, I'm a safe driver, and I make everybody mad. I, I, that's just me. I make everybody mad. But mercy is not getting what you deserve. We deserve death. 
Because of our sins, because of our sinfulness, because of the lies we tell, the lust in our hearts, the pride in our lives, the, the things we say, the things we do, the things we think that we shouldn't do, the things that we don't do that we should do, all the sins in our lives, because of our sins, we deserve death. We deserve separation from God for eternity in hell. That's what we deserve. But because of God's great mercy, we don't have to get what we deserve. We do not deserve heaven. And because of God's great mercy and grace, and God is merciful, he chooses to save us and to have mercy on us, not giving us what we really deserve, and instead giving us the gift of his love and grace. He chose his people, the Jews, to be the vehicle through which he would send the Messiah. He chose the descendants of Abraham to bless the entire world, to bless all the peoples of the world, both Jews and Gentiles. In Genesis 12, God made a promise to Abraham that he would, send, that he would bless all the nations on earth through Abraham. That promise was repeated in Genesis 22, that the Messiah would come and that he would bless the world through the line of Abraham. The, the Messiah was going to be born of the tribe of Judah, as it says in Genesis 49. Later in the Old Testament, it says that he will be born from the line of David, from King David's family. And he was also going to be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David. These are the promises that God made in mercy in order to save his people. And though they deserve death and separation from him for all eternity, God promised to be merciful, and God always keeps his promises. The next blank on your outline is God promised deliverance. God promised deliverance. God promises to rescue his people from the hand of their enemies. Now, is he talking about the Romans? Is he going to rescue uh, them from a political enemy, the Romans who had taken over at the time? That's not what he had in mind. God had something greater in mind. Rather than saving them from a political enemy, God was going to save his people from a spiritual enemy, the devil. Because the enemy holds us in bondage to sin and to shame. And he, God says, my people have been held in bondage long enough. God was setting in motion the events to deliver his people from a spiritual enemy. And God would rescue his people from the bonds of sin and shame. That God would rescue his people from death. And the devil, that God would rescue us because only God can defeat the devil. Only God can save humanity. Only God is powerful enough to save us from all of our sins. And when God forgives you, when he washes away your sins, when he uh, forgives your sins, he forgives all of our sins. It's what he has promised to do. God has promised deliverance and God always keeps his promises. Now, the next point on your outline, we want to talk about the fulfillment of these promises because Jesus brought fulfillment. And that's the second. The next point on your outline is fulfillment in Jesus, the fulfillment in Jesus. God promised to send. He promised to send salvation. He promised to send mercy. He promised to send deliverance. And like I said earlier, God is not just a promise maker. God is a promise keeper. He keeps his promises. We can trust him to keep his promises. And God has kept his promises. He fulfilled his promises in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the next blank. Like I said, the next blank on your outline is the uh, fulfillment in Jesus, which is the ultimate fulfillment. The next blank on your outline is Jesus brought salvation. Jesus brought salvation. This is going to get a little uh, clearer in just a second. It's going to become a little uh, easier to uh, fill in blanks in just a moment. Zechariah said that his son would prepare the way for the Messiah. Look at uh, verse 76, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 76. 
And you, my child, he's referring to John, who became John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. That God was going to send uh, John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And this is a promise that he made in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, it says, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then in Malachi 3, 1, God said, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So God said that he was going to send a, a, someone to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And that was John the Baptist, Zechariah's son. That he was going to come to point people to Jesus. And that's why he came, to point people to Jesus Christ. Uh, he came to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, and John's father prophesied that that is exactly what John the Baptist would do. He would point people to Jesus and prove that he was the Messiah, even from the beginning of his life. And the Messiah was going to give the people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Jesus is the only way to be saved. It sounds exclusivist. It doesn't sound very politically correct. It doesn't sound very inclusivist. It doesn't sound all nice and flowery. It doesn't make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. But it's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Church says that all roads lead to God, but only one road leads to heaven. All roads will lead you to God's judgment seat because everyone will be judged by God the Father. But only one road leads you to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, God's Son. And He is able, and He is powerful, and He is mighty to save everyone who will put their faith and trust in Jesus by believing Him, repenting from their sins, confessing their faith, and being baptized. That God is able and willing to save us all. I'm so excited. I can't, i, I, I got to let you know something. We're going to have a baptism this morning. we got a baptism coming up. Little Nina, Nina Rodriguez. I call her Little Nina Rodriguez, but she's not little anymore. She's 12 years old. But one of our preteens, is coming this morning and she's going to get baptized today and i'm so excited about that because god has promised that when we obey him by being baptized our sins are washed away we are forgiven all of our sins past present and future are washed away in the blood of jesus christ because god is mighty to save us through the sacrificial death of jesus on the cross that jesus took the punishment for our sins that he was willing to take our punishment and when he died on the cross, our sins were washed away. And it's through Jesus Christ. And that's also by God's mercy. Because Jesus brought mercy. That's the next blank on your outline. Is Jesus brought mercy. Notice what Zechariah said. He says the Messiah was going to be, was bringing forgiveness because of the mercy by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. By, he talks about the, the rising sun. It's the, the, new, the, the sun of a new day was rising and bringing forgiveness and mercy. It reminds me of Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, where the author of Lamentations says, 
that God, uh, God's love is new every day. His steadfast love never ends, never ceases. His mercies, they never end, and they are new every morning. That every day, every brand new day, every sunrise that comes up is a brand new experience of God's mercy and love. That every day is a brand new day to experience God's mercy and God's forgiveness and God's love. That as the sun rises each day, so God's mercies are new every day. So no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what happened last week, no matter what happened five years ago, every day is a new day with God. Every day is a new day to experience that mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. It's an amazing gift that only God can give. It is an amazing gift that Jesus brings to us, our Savior, the Messiah, and He brings us this gift every day of forgiveness and mercy and grace. Now the final blank on your outline is Jesus brought deliverance. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Jesus brought deliverance. We are all held captive. We are all captives. We are prisoners of sin and death and darkness. And yet Jesus came to shine the light of God's grace into our lives. He came to shine the, the light of God's love into our lives. God, Jesus shines the light into our lives. It reminds me of David's words from Psalm 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We'll talk about that in just a second. But though we may walk in the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus shines the light into the darkness. He shines the light into the shadow of death. And not even the darkness of death can overcome the light of Jesus Christ. That only Jesus can shine that light into our lives. And He is the fulfillment of every promise that God has made. He is the fulfillment of every promise that God has made. And He keeps His promises. And we can trust Him to keep His promises. For God is the ultimate promise keeper. And this is all what God promised to do through His Son, the Messiah. There was a man uh, by the name of, of James, uh, of Peter W. Stoner, and another man named Robert C. Newman, and they wrote a book called Science Speaks. And it was based on the science of probability, and it was vouched for by the American Scientific Affiliation. It set out the odds of one man fulfilling uh, one, uh, only eight of the 60 major pro- prophecies uh, fulfilled by the life of Christ. There are over 60 prophecies in the, uh, New, in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled every single one. But the numbers don't go high enough to be able to figure out uh, the probability of Jesus fulfilling all those prophecies. So these two guys said, we're going to figure out the probability of Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies. Just eight out of the 60. Okay? And this is the number. It's 1 to 10 to the 17th power. 1 out of 10 to the 17th power. That is 100 quadrillion. 100 quadrillion. It would be like taking uh, 100 quadrillion silver dollars, okay, and marking one of them. Now, they estimate that this number of uh, silver dollars, 100 quadrillion silver dollars, is enough to cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars. Now, I've been to Texas. How many of you have been to Texas? It's a big state. 
Now you're going to cover the entire state two feet deep in silver dollars. You're going to take one of those silver dollars, you're going to mark it, you're going to get a great big machine that's going to mix them all up, okay? I don't know how big this machine is, but it's, it's huge. So they're, they're mixing all these, these silver dollars up, and then you're going to blindfold someone and start them in the city of Dallas and start them walking. And they can walk wherever they want to, they can go in any direction. And the odds of them picking up a single silver dollar and it being the one that you marked are the same as that of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the 60 prophecies that were prophesied about him. And like I said, he fulfilled them all. Every single prophecy about Jesus the Messiah came true. He fulfilled every single one, being born of the house of David, being born in Bethlehem, prophesied about uh, by John the Baptist. He fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. And like I said, he didn't fill just eight, but all of them. Jesus is the fulfillment of every promise and every prophecy that was made about him. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be my Savior. He wants to be your friend. Man, He said that a man has no greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And when Jesus laid down his life by going to the cross and suffering and dying for your sins, he's calling you his friend. He says, I want you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. I laid down my life for you. He suffered and died on the cross to save us from our sins. And God's promises are true. And we can trust him to keep his promises. That if you will put your faith and trust in Christ, he will save you and forgive you and take you to heaven to live with him for all eternity. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be with you. In my communion meditation, I talked about the name Emmanuel that was given to Jesus. And it literally means God is with us. See, God was not just, and David said the same thing in Psalm 23, I will fear no evil for you are with me. See, God was not just with David back in 23rd Psalm. God was not just with the people of Jesus' day when Jesus was with them. No, God is still with us. God is with us. He will never leave us, never give up on us, never forsake us, never abandon us, never leave us up to our own devices, that God is always, always with us. And we can trust him. And one day, by his grace, we will be with him. For all eternity, we will be with him. This is a promise that he will keep. And it is a promise that will never fail. So you can take God at his word. Because he is the ultimate promise keeper, and he keeps his 